Hello and welcome to Making Queer History. Today we are going to be interviewing Dean Strauss, the runner of Queering Up History. And the interview is pretty great. I'm really excited to share it with y'all. And I just wanted to tell you in advance that if you stay to the end of this episode, you're going to hear a sneak peek into our new intro song for the podcast. We just got our new fancy mic, so hopefully better sound quality. And we're going to be rebooting the podcast. While everything that's been released recently has been interviews, we're going to go back to a different format, sort of similar to the original one. Get excited for that and stay around till the end of the podcast to listen to the new intro song. All right. Thank you. And here is the interview. Hey. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really well. So first, just a really quick overview of names and pronouns. Sure. Uh, my name is Dean Strauss. My pronouns are they, them, or he, him, in situations where those can't be used. Okay, fantastic. Um, I'm Laura. My pronouns are she, her. Why don't we just start out by you explaining your project a little bit? Sure. So Queering Up History started in March 2016 after talking to a friend who's um, kind of a queer historian, and I started learning about um, some of the first... Uh, same-sex couples in history and just some of the like ancient queer figures that I had never heard of and like that was amazing to me because I know like I knew in the back of my mind obviously that queer people had existed forever but like to hear that we knew like people and names and stories was amazing to me Mm -hmm. so so I decided it would be fun as an illustrator to make these people come to life so to say I wanted to do portraits of them and I was like I'll make them into stickers that'll be fun and I can give them to the people I know who are interested in these stories and I made I want to say like 11 at the time and I started showing to people and the response was so good and people were amazed and I remember in particular there was a person who like grew up in a more strict family and you didn't talk about this and she was amazed and so excited that one of these figures was queer and so I was like okay so maybe this is something I should continue with so I started with the original like 10 or 11 Um, and I just started going with different queer figures from, you know, 25th century BCE all the way till, you know, I think I'm currently at the 1980s is the latest someone was born. Mm -hmm. So I just do queer figures who have passed on because everyone else's story is still happening and I don't want to, you know, infringe upon someone who is telling their own story still. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's my big thing. (laughs) Fantastic. And how do you choose your subjects for the people that you draw? Uh, So originally it was, um, you know, talking to my friend who knew more about this. And I was like, okay, so tell me some of your favorite people. Um, And that, you know, that started the couple originals. And then I just started reaching out to people about who their favorite queer figures were. And then I started doing my own research and finding ones that I didn't particularly know or some that maybe were super obvious um, that were just really exciting for me. Like, I maybe mean, it was just my upbringing, but I, like, I didn't know Andy Warhol was gay, and that was amazing to me. And I was like, how did I not know this? He's such an inspiration to me. So I kind of just jump around history and find the next like, interesting story that pops up to me, or someone recommends a person. They're like, hey, you should draw this person because they're a queer figure from history, and they mean a lot to me, and they get added to my list. So I kind of just jump around. That's really cool. And I can definitely relate to the um, being surprised by people in history. 
I remember somehow I was shocked when I found out that Oscar Wilde wasn't straight. And like right. I had an, I had an inkling, but like I found out all the proof. I was like, oh, oh, he really wasn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that was that was definitely me with a lot of figures. Actually, I was reading one, and it was just like uh, Andy Warhol was gay. Like that was that was it. That was the sentence. It was there was no maybe. It was Andy Warhol was gay, and I was like, all right, this is definite. And I had no idea. Honestly, getting into it, like sometimes. Even I, like, I feel so behind. I'm like, oh, wait, everyone was gay? Awesome. (laughs) So, um, what was your original hope for where this project would go, and how has it changed since you started it? You sort of delved into it, but let's, like, get really into it. Uh, So, originally, I just wanted to do ten figures, make them into stickers. I thought that would be fun. I took them to a convention um, at, at my college at the time, and... The response was so surprising. I didn't expect such a positive turnout. And I ended up giving a lot of them away for free because they just meant so much to people to hear this history. And people would stand and listen to me tell the history of these figures for like 20 minutes and they cared. So the original goal started from, you know, just I want to make these into stickers and I'll, I'll sell them. And now I think I really want to make them into a few volumes of queer history books. And I want to keep that sticker idea because I think it's fun. And I do a lot of work for younger people. And I think people like stickers. So I want it to still be those stickers, but I want it to be like a history book with just these stickers you can pull out and remember these stories. That's incredible. I like the idea of that. What obstacles have you like come across as a queer creator working in a very non-friendly queer creator world? (laughs) Oh, that's a really good question. Um, So... I think my struggles can be categorized in two sections. I struggle with the project itself being a queer project and then as a queer creator mm-hmm. because I know it's a very niche market despite the fact that the queer community is huge but it, you know the art world is surprisingly less friendly to queer creators yeah. than um, I thought when I was younger. So just finding the audience has been easy but like dealing with backlash especially with this subject matter people i think some people take offense to my um i guess outing their favorite people from history as queer Mm um i guess i don't see it that way but i i know that's how it's taken by some folks so i've gotten backlash with that and just as a queer creator um i mean i guess it's similar struggles just being a queer person but like the support financially for projects and knowing that doing the work that I do and being out stops me from getting other work. Yeah. Uh, It's difficult. And you mentioned um, a lot of your work is like done, you're an illustrator and it's done for children. Has like your queerness ever become in conflict with that? Because I know there are a lot of people out there who don't want queer content around children at all. Yeah, uh, definitely it has. Um, When I, when I can find, you know, queer youth to show this stuff to, they, they react really well, but um, I was actually talking to uh, an acquaintance of mine who works in children's book publishing uh, and also happens to be a queer woman. And, you know, it's funny because she's been in the field for a long time and even she's hesitant as a queer woman to, you know, recommend these things and publish these things because we know, you know, it might not do as well or the, the backlash is scary. You might you know, that one might not do well and that reflects on your job or you might not 
keep your job because of these things. So again, I think that's part of like the niche market where I feel, I feel like I can't just like, here's this project. Everybody love it. I have to like be very careful about like who I'm talking to about it and like where I market it. Cause I definitely have gotten that backlash with other projects um, around queer kids and like producing content for queer kids. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned earlier about having um, people come to you and say that like you're outing their favorite queer historical character. But can you go more in depth on why you don't, you imply that you don't agree with that point of view? Can you go more in depth on why you don't agree with it? So I think, A, I think the information is out there. And I don't think, I don't personally think that especially the more ancient figures um, are going to be hurt by me implying that maybe maybe this girl was into girls Mm -hmm. because she's been dead for thousands of years. But even the more recent ones, I guess I, I think the information is out there for other people to see. And also I don't see, I don't find it to be insulting implying that maybe this person wasn't straight or maybe this person wasn't cis or maybe this person was, et cetera, was part of the queer community because I don't find being queer insult. And I guess that's how it always feels to me when people imply that I'm, like, hurting their favorite historical figure or, like, outing their favorite figure. I definitely agree, and I've definitely thought the same thing in depth in different circumstances. I know with um, what we do, we have a lot of people argue about whether to put identities on people in history at all. Though they never seem to argue when people call something the Silk Road when the word silk and road didn't exist, but... Whatever. I'm not bitter about this at all. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I do. Um, I think I think people just use it as an excuse to argue with us because I I know that uh, you know Alexander the Great probably wouldn't have described himself as bisexual because uh, the language didn't exist, and I'm not actually sure if he spoke English. So you're right; he probably wouldn't have called himself bisexual. But I feel confident saying. This person would have described themselves as ex-identity if they had that language. And I am not saying, you know, for certain this exact word is how they would have described themselves because probably not. They didn't have that language the same way I didn't describe myself as queer when I was 10 years old because I didn't have that language. Mm-hmm. This is something I've struggled with and I'm curious as to how you dealt with it. Um, there are certain identities that are sort of similar in like pansexual and bisexual, they have similarities to them. How do you decide which label to put down when it's something like that? Because, you know, there are similarities and there are overlap. And it's sort of difficult to sparse out without actually like talking to the historical person, which we unfortunately cannot do yet. Uh, that's definitely something I've struggled with. Um, in cases of something like bisexual or pansexual, usually I'll put both. Um, actually, recently... Um, just a couple days ago, I was, um, adding another figure to the series and I was writing the tags on the post and I had to pause for a second because I didn't actually know, I couldn't figure out what terms to use to describe her because, you know, she was married, but she was also into, she was married to a man. She was also into women. Um, but you know, compulsory heterosexuality. So I don't know if she was, you know, bi or pan or a lesbian. So um, in that instance, I was like, okay, I'm just going to put queer. Um, and I know that's also really frowned upon 
in certain groups, and I understand it because it is um, a reclaimed slur, and I know that, but I guess that's just, that's how I make the decision, and that's a whole other can of worms that I've had to, you know, have a lot of conversations about. Um, just calling this series Queering Up History. Okay, so we talked a little bit about how you choose your subjects, but something actually we've been talking about on our project recently is our project needs to sort of explore subjects that are kind of less great because there is a problem in the queer community because like sometimes people make that joke where they're like, oh, I don't like this person, so they're not queer, which is a problem, especially since the queer community has faults that we need to address, like turfs and Swerfs and all the Earths, um, and exclusionists. Mm-hmm. And, like, how do you address that in that, because you mentioned you like to keep, um, you like to do this because you want to give people connection to these heroes from their past, which is, like, really admirable and really important. Mm-hmm. Are you also, are you interested in exploring the people who aren't great and aren't people we would necessarily want to connect with? Uh, yeah. Definitely. I actually, uh, on my list, I have some not great people. Um, this is actually something I've been thinking about because they're on the list and I intend to do them, but I haven't really, I haven't done any like big controversial figures, mm-hmm. um, as far as like bad people, yeah. um, or people who are exclusionists or have, um, negative context, uh, around them. And it's something I've definitely struggled with because, our, our history is very long, um, so it's not perfect. We, as a people, are not perfect. Um, and I've definitely struggled with that <clears throat> just because I know how it's used outside of the community and it's used to justify hate against us. But at the same time, we are not perfect and we have these people in our history who are not perfect. And I think we need to acknowledge that and explore that, A, just to... I think partially humanize us because we're not, we aren't perfect. I mean, we're, we're, we're perfect, but we're not um, without fault. Um, so it's something I'm still, you know, thinking about. The people are on my list and I intend to do them. It's just, I know I have to be ready to deal with the, you're painting the community in a bad light or you're against the community or something, you know, accusations that I'm not really a part of the community or whatever happens. I'm just... I guess, gearing myself up for that. That's fair. I know it's very difficult to get that clarification there. It's like, you know, there are bad people in the queer community, but they're not bad people because they are queer. And it's it's surprisingly right. hard to get that clarification out there. Right. And one person, actually, that I literally just talked about, because I got really heated up over it again. Every time I talk about him, I get heated up. Salvador Dali. One of my least favorite mm-hmm. people in history. And I know I have to write about him because it's a challenge for myself as a writer, but it's also, he's an important person in our history and I hate him so much. But okay. it's been interesting for me because I kind of, like, my writing roots are from from fiction. <laughs> I write about people and things that I like, that I like to write about. So... Writing about people that I don't like becomes a little bit difficult. And I'm wondering if you have the same struggle in that, like, you're an artist and art, like, um, creating images and creating words, well, creating books and articles are different, but they do have similarities in how we, like, express them. 
And I'm wondering if you ever feel the same issue. Yeah, no, I definitely do with uh, figures with the negative connotations or um, even just people whose story I'm not feeling that particular day mm-hmm. for whatever reason, uh, usually because they did something that's, you know, unsavory and will, I don't know, paint the community badly or something. I always struggle because I want to put, you know, the time and effort and care into each of them. But I'm just like, this person was so bad, though, or I just don't like this person. Or And then making sure that I'm, you know, not just doing people who I personally like. Mm-hmm. is um definitely a struggle and and the other part i think is you know especially getting with more modern history there are people who have passed who had you know they didn't die of natural causes you know victims of hate crimes or you know aids or anything like that that was just a tragic time in our community addressing that and just making sure i'm not like profiting off of that or profiting off of negative things that people did or happened in our community is also a struggle. Can you expand upon that a little bit? I'm interested in what you mean by um, profiting off that specifically. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, So some of the people on my list, um, Matthew Shepard, for example, um, just saw him on my list. You know, I want to, he's a person in our community and our history that has passed. uh, And I don't want it to seem like I'm, I guess the more recent people, not ancient or not, you know, hundreds of years old or anything, are the ones I'm worried that people will feel like I'm just using their deaths as, like, I don't know, a jumping board to get money for myself or just, you know, use those emotions that are still there to gain profit or fame, I guess. I I just always worry that it's going to seem like I'm, I guess I worry the the wounds are too fresh with some of them and there's more emotion there than, you know, historical interest. I know one of the people I did an article about, Fanny Ann Eady, um, mm-hmm. she died in 2012 and I knew for a fact that her son's still alive and I okay. had to really internally deal with writing an article about someone whose family still existed and how to represent her in a way that was not disrespectful to the family and, you know, know that it is very possible that this, her son could literally just find my work and read it. And I had to keep that in mind the entire time I was writing, which was very strange because it wasn't something I was used to keeping in mind because I was always, yeah. it was always other things. It was always like, oh, everyone's dead. So who's going to mind? But yeah, that's, that's an interesting. So you, you've mentioned the book that you want to do. Yes. Is there anything people can do to support that now, or is it something far in the future, or...? Uh, yeah, I mean, if, if people want to support it, um, Patreon is the best way to do it. Um, it, it is one of my goals. I, you know, it's not something, it's something that I'm leading up to, but if people want to support me through Patreon, yeah, I guess that's, that's the best way to do it, so that I just, you know, I can worry a little bit less about monthly income, and I can know that that's... A set thing and just the more support that I have the more work I can turn out and the quicker I can do that and just dedicate myself to that and how do you want like more of a personal question here how do you want this project to fit into your life like is this something that you want forever or is this something that you want for another 10 years or another five years or another two years or even another six months or is this just something that you want to do for fun for a little while and then when you're done you're done I I mean I intend to 
keep this going for the foreseeable future. Currently, I'm at 33 figures to date, and I have over 100 on my list still. So, um, and I keep learning about more and more really interesting stories, um, and I just keep adding them to the list. So I don't, I don't want to stop anytime soon because I don't think I'm ever going to get through every figure. Um, and I'm hoping eventually, uh, after I've gotten through, I don't know, a few hundred of the more prominent ones, I can maybe start going into, you know, hearing other people's stories of their own, I guess, family members or ancestors who, you know, were maybe big in their own personal queer communities in their small towns or what have you, but it's not something I intend to stop anytime soon. All right, fantastic. Um, is there anything else? I hope people genuinely enjoy the project and learn something and maybe find someone they can relate to or maybe the person that they hate the most now. <laughs> Whatever. Solid goals. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, where do people find you? Uh, so I'm on Tumblr, Instagram, and my website, all at Coffin the Artist or CoffinTheArtist.com. That's pretty much me everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, and then my Patreon, which is Queering Up History. And people can feel free to talk to me, um, suggest figures to add to the list, or just come say hey. Fantastic. All right. Thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you. All right. And I hope things continue to go fantastically because you're doing great work. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really enjoy your work. Well, thank you. Yeah. See, I'm always, I'm still always surprised that people read my work. Like, I have a solid <laughs> fan base, and then someone mentions, I'm like, oh yeah, I read an article. I'm like, I'm not just sending it out into the ether? Okay. Yeah, no, I've definitely, I've found some queer figures that I wasn't familiar with through your work. Oh, fantastic. Like who? Magnus Hirschfeld? Yes. I recognize the name, but there was a lot more, like, info that I wasn't familiar with. Um, specifically, like, the Sex Institute. Mm -hmm. That was really interesting for me. For me, it's really weird, because I, I found... Because he's one of my favorites, because he... We have some similarities in that, like, we try to record our community, and I really find him interesting. It's very strange for me, looking into um, how many people don't mention that he was polyamorous. Like, it's it's not a right? thing that was mentioned. He was in a long-term polyamorous relationship, and no one mentions it. And I'm like, it's just a I strange thing. <laughs> All the work that... Or a majority of the work that I've read didn't note it, but, like, I would, I would see it here or there... And it was like, okay, is this something that just isn't confirmed? And then I was like, okay, no, people just aren't mentioning this. Yeah, it, it's weird. So apparently polyamorous relationship <laughs> is another thing I'm going to have to start taking on in uh, making queer history. All right. <laughs> All right, we're in it. Okay, thank you. Sorry for distracting from the end of this <laughs> interview. You're good. All right, you have a great day. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right. Thank you for listening. This is the Making Queer History podcast. And that was our interview with Dean Strauss. So go check out Dean Strauss's work. It's amazing. I'm a huge fan. And it's something I've been keeping my eye on since pretty much the beginning of this project. So thank everyone for listening. And thank you, Dean Strauss, for talking to me. We have always existed. And we are still here. Telling the stories of those long dead. We won't disappear. We're taking the pen back into our own hands we live and we breathe and we keep creating taking a stand history is clearer than you think yes we will continue
xuân năm nay về.